Welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show, brought to you by ProgressiveChristianity.org, where you can find all of your incredible progressive Christian resources to resource you and your progressive Christian life. We're glad that you could join us today. Hope you will follow us on social media, both ProgressiveChristianity.org and the Moonshine Jesus Show. Today, we're talking about Gotham Knights. And a thing to know is that this is a zone that is filled with spoilers. (laughs) it for you i am joined as always with by my uh good buddy mark sandlin how you doing today mark doing really well caleb uh as always looking forward to the show and talking about what's going on uh it's interesting i i i've i've peeked at a few reviews of the show and some rankings of the show so it's this could be a really interesting conversation. <laughs> I think it could be. I think it could be. And if we're going to have an interesting conversation, yes. we've got to start off with some interesting drinks. And you've always got an interesting drink ready to go, Mark. So what are you drinking? I here? try to. Well, today I we're we're talking uh, about uh, uh, Gotham Knights. And so I wanted something that was sort of Gotham themed. So I'm going with uh, a cocktail called the Dark Nightcap. Uh, and it is blended scotch, Averna, club soda, and bitters. And it's got that nice kind of smoky, oh, dark yeah. looking. It kind of reminds you of a dark night in Gotham in this look. So uh, I am curious about your drink, though. Where are you going with this? So at the very beginning of Gotham Nights, we get shaken by the fact that Bruce Wayne has been murdered. Indeed. And that sets off a, a whole series of events that lead to the Gotham Knights. So I, I decided to start mine off with an official DC cocktail, the yes. Bruce Wayne. And Lovely. so I've got uh, about four and a half ounces of black coffee, a couple uh-huh. of ounces of bourbon, and about half an ounce of maple syrup. So delicious, Wayne. Yes. Cheers Cheers to you, Mark. Not bad at all. How about yours? Yeah, mine's very good. Delicious. Excellent. Excellent. It's going to make for a great show. It will. It will. Let's uh, have a couple more sips, listen to the drop, and let's geek out a little bit about Gotham Knights. Hello and welcome back to the Moons, Moonshine Jesus Show. That drink is already hitting strong. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, after Good. just three sips, this is going to be a great show. Uh, <laughs> welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. You're joining us for our Geek Out section. This is where we kind of catch you up on the show we're talking about. And then just kind of let our geek flags fly and have a good time talking about it. So for those who may not be familiar with Gotham Knights, Gotham Knights is a... Uh, huh, a murder mystery teen soap with the superhero setting uh, on the CW. Uh, it is the first um, 
in the in the very first episode of Gotham Knights, we uh, we learned that as Kate has already revealed that Batman is dead, and though it turns out his adopted son Turner Hayes is framed for his killing. Now the interesting thing is that in order to clear his name, Turner has to team up with uh, the kids of some of Batman's foes who are also being set up. And then the, that group of teens, uh, which also includes some of uh, Turner's friends, they sort of start figuring out that there's this incredibly nefarious group behind the death of Batman and behind framing them. It's a group known as the Court of Owls. And ultimately, the, uh, the sort of mismatched team of fugitives have to band together and they become the city's next generation of saviors known as, of course, the Gotham Knights. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Caleb, we talked. We we introduced this last week as a show we were going to watch. Had you thought of or known anything about this before we decided that it would be the show that we were going to watch? So the only thing that I knew about it, I hadn't watched this yet, although I have watched a lot of the CW superhero shows, yeah. uh, was the promotional images that were released that showed uh, Bruce Wayne lying dead on the pavement ah. with a Batman mask and right. in a suit. And so the initial reactions to that were not great. Um, <laughs> and uh, people were real disappointed with seeing yeah. that image and so that's all i had heard about the show it's it's based though on a comic book isn't it mark and uh i i didn't read it the is. comic book but i know that i know that you keep up to date with all of that stuff did you read the comic book uh i i i'm aware of the comic book didn't really read it closely but i do know that they do a lot of new this is very this doesn't really match up very well with the comic book. There's also a video game of, of the same name with mm-hmm. somewhat of a similar concept. They do yeah. a lot of new things uh, in this particular one. Uh, Turner isn't in any of those, right. so he's a completely creation, new character. Right? Uh, and so it's kind of interesting. I'm just curious, though. So you kind of knew that there was some negative reaction. And so then yeah. you started watching. What yeah. what what's just your general take on the show and and the what they're doing and the characters that are in it? Um, that did it did it match up to your expectations? And what were your expectations? Yeah, so I try not to look at too many reviews ahead of time. That way, I can yeah. kind of form my own opinion sure. before I I see those. <laughs> and I think this has something like an. 18% fresh rating or something like that. <laughs> it's, that's right. it's really, really right. bad. And so my initial thoughts were um I I kind of like I kind of like it. I like I dig that it's in the Batman universe. Um mm-hmm. I I like that uh that we're exploring some new characters who haven't been overdone, characters we haven't seen before. I think is kind of fun because uh, a lot of the superheroes get kind of overplayed. I think in some ways we're kind of starting to experience as a society some superhero fatigue because we've seen a lot of media created in recent years. Mm-hmm. Um so I would was, I, I was interested in it. Um, I don't think it's 18% bad, <laughs> but I also don't think it's particularly good or compelling either. Mm. I, I think there are, are a, I think there are a lot of issues. I mean, I think it looks like it's a CW level show. Uh, right. that, the CG, the CGI, for instance, looks like it's a C, uh, CW show. Right. And I think we get a heavy dose of teenage drama, 
that yes. uh, I'm not sure was exactly what I was hoping for or looking <laughs> for in in this show. Uh, how did you react to it when you saw it, Mark? I, I, I came into it uh, very much wanting to like it. And, and I'm going to say I probably fall on the higher end of liking it. It's, it's a good enough show. I find it entertaining enough. Um, I don't think the production value is very good. There's definitely, I don't think there's any chance it's going to be renewed for a second year. But if it were, there are definitely some people who need to be fired and replaced before it happens because there's so much that's just not quite right. Um, We get an (laughs) opening scene, like there's simple little things. We get an opening scene of uh, uh, Bruce in his uh, tower. Uh, and uh, he he pushes some books in, and uh, a drawer opens, and you see the Batman mask. And the Batman mask looks like they forgot to make one, and someone quickly printed one off on a 3D printer. Like, oh, no, we forgot the mask. Somebody quick, print one. Uh, or grabbed it out of their kid's play box. Uh, right, exactly, exactly. It's just like there's little things like that. There's uh, the, bat, the Batcave looks incredible. Actually, the CGI on it is great. Except yeah. the bad game is one landing with three <laughs> computer screens and this long stretch of a runway with all the bat things on it, like the yeah. bat car and the bat sub and the bat whatever. Yeah. It's like, really? That's what we get? And, and then the, 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 the big bat computer. I mean, Batman is a crime, crime right, solver. Right. The bat computer is literally three monitors and no computer and no cords going anywhere to plug them in or to connect to an off-site. I don't know. It's just so many little things to get missed. Uh, and then some of the dialogue is just... Like, uh, the, the scene... The, the scene where they've escaped, and they're in the high-end yeah. store, and they're stealing clothes. To And uh, uh, one of the highlights of the show, I, I think, is Duella, yeah. uh, the, uh-huh. the possible daughter uh, uh, of the Joker, uh, really interesting character, and uh, he's like, "Why are we having you know getting these clothes while we're still?" And we're like, "Well, what?" And she basically says, "What are you stupid? You know, we got to change clothes so they won't recognize our mugs." It's like, "What? Your mugs, your face? It's not your clothes." Like, who wrote that line? Like, if, if they take a mug shot, they can show your clothes. Like, it's ridiculous. And there's so many pieces like that. That, and it's a shame because I think there's great potential in this show. For instance. I love that what we have are these folks that are going to ultimately become heroes who have no superhero powers. Right. They had no money. They got no gadgets. They're just straight up humans who have developed certain sets of skills. I kind of love that that set up and it could be a cure for the superhero fatigue that we're seeing some of. I mean, I think you and I have made the argument. Some of that's just the fatigue is about they become too formulaic bad writing, too formulaic, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So there's great potential to rescue that. I mean, what did you think about the fact that, that that's kind of a setup? There's no superpowers. They, they don't have resources of, of, of finances of any sort, and they don't have a lot of cool gadgets outside of a few that we get introduced to Robin, who kind of is part of the group, who has yeah. still some of the leftover Batman stuff. What I mean, what did you think of that? Oh, speaking of Batman stuff, the bomb she throws on the car to blow it up, Looks yeah. like it was made out of like again they rummaged their kids' set and go oh that that little plastic <laughs> that thing. That's a bad symbol on it. Right. The- right. It was horrible. So, but what do you think about having that kind of a character 
being presented as potential and eventual heroes. Yeah, so I think um, I think that's one of the things that we a lot of us kind of like about Batman and Batman Universe uh, is yeah. that you don't necessarily see people with extraordinary powers. What in DC Universe is called the you know the metahumans who have uh, who have these kind of powers. It's ordinary people, kind yeah. of. I mean, Bruce Wayne. All, all you have to do is be a multi-billionaire to right. make a difference in the world or whatever so but in theory you know you've got ordinary people who have things that they can learn to make a difference i i think seeing younger like high school aged kids banding together to to kind of become a band of superheroes mm -hmm. could be a very interesting story right. i don't think and, and most really of them other than most of them other than turner are underprivileged to a degree they're Marginalized and had rough lives, which is a, a kind of another nice twist. And I'm sorry to interrupt. Too, you know, please. comes from it comes from a, a background like that before he was adopted by Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. There's class stuff going on that's yeah. interesting. I think though they they don't really lean into the fun of being teenagers in a way that's right. meaningful. Like I, I'm thinking. Uh, you know, Stranger Things or Paper Girls that, you know, shows that have really leaned into the the teenage angst and stuff, but in a fun way, uh, in right. a way that kind of builds the characters. This really just felt like another CW teen drama that happened <laughs> to be centered around uh, some superhero themes. I did, though, you mentioned Carrie Kelly as Robin, oh. and I did like seeing Carrie Kelly because we started to get some elements from The Dark Knight Returns yeah. here, and I, I thought that was a, an interesting character to bring forward. I think it was kind of mm -hmm. fun to see a, a Robin who was uh, a female and uh, a person of color who right. was kind of, you know, crime fighting. And I know sure. that DC has been trying to do a better job of that. That part I liked the, yeah. as far, and I thought the setup was interesting, but I thought they underplayed it. I don't think they did it particularly well. They did do well. diversity. Do quite, they did diversity quite well. I believe um, I, I like that, that, that they are leaning into that and making sure that mm -hmm. we have a, a more a realistic representation of, of uh, society and, and the groups that might be coming together with this. Yeah. Um, and, and I agree, you know, they do lead real heavy into the sort of the teen soap, CW teen, teen soap in this. And I don't think that that's really necessary. Uh, I, I don't know why they chose that. But what do you think about the storyline in general? I mean, in terms of what went down, Bruce getting killed, uh, his son getting framed, having to team up with uh, folks that were were uh, basically his dad's foes, um, and the twist about about his caregiver being involved. Uh, I mean, this the, there's been a lot of people who have been hitting this show really hard and saying it's just the crappiest thing that's ever been made. Uh, but I mean, what do you think about that storyline in general? I I think. I think it's interesting to. Uh, I I think it would have been more helpful if we'd gotten a little bit of. I don't know if we'd gotten to see them interact in some way before they found each other, or mm. if there had been some kind of a setup for the show. If if in the pilot we had seen uh, Batman, I, I go against the Batman and Turner in some way, or Bruce Wayne <laughs> Turner go against Joker right. and Duella, or or something, or we'd seen the Quizmaster in some way. Uh, mm -hmm. But there was no, there are no stakes uh, for them being together. 
it doesn't feel like to, I, I think it's I mean, outside of their, they both got framed and they're kind of like, yeah, uh, they're, they're, they're allies of circumstance kind of thing. They're, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't feel like, I, I don't feel, I guess I don't feel invested enough in the character. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, we're only That's three or four shows in, I get it. But, uh, yeah. but, but in theory, I like the thought of the son of Batman going against, teaming up with the, you know, the children of yeah. some of the uh, the the outlaws, the the yeah. rogues gallery. I think that's interesting. But I think yeah. to me, Mark, this points to one of the kind of larger questions that I, I wonder whenever I watch these shows, which is like, is there even an appetite for Batman adjacent shows? You know, we've gotten a lot of these in recent years. And that's something be, that I've it? really been wondering. Like, does anyone really want to watch a Batman show that doesn't have Batman in it? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, and I think the problem, I mean, part of the, yeah, that's a great point. And, and there probably is less interest. And part of the problem is, is they work so hard to eliminate Batman uh, as quickly as possible. This would really kill him off. Yeah. and. And Bat Batgirl, uh, he's gone, and he never interacts with them. And I, th I think they would have a more success if Batman was in a situation where he couldn't be there, and he's coaching them and encouraging them to protect the city, the, you know, our city, and that kind of thing. But I also think that it, it's just no one's done it well yet. <laughs> Outside of, I do think the, as I remember, the last season of Batgirl when they redid a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. It did get pretty interesting. They had interesting characters. They were doing interesting things with it, but they had already gone so far into it with loser seasons that people just didn't yeah. care. Um, one last question before we wrap this yeah. segment up. So ultimately we learned basically the court of owls is kind of the big bad of the season. Yeah. Do you think that they're menacing uh, mysterious enough to really carry the show in a way that they can be the big bad for the entire season? Or do you think that, that maybe they're, they aren't the big bad for the season and we were just, because we're only four episodes in, do you think something else is going to happen? Is it sustainable in terms of the adversary they're up against? I think the Court of Owls are really interesting uh, adversaries. And mm -hmm. I think that if you play them right, then uh, then they can be uh, they can be kind of ominous and they they really can be a really good big bad because when you talk about infiltrating different levels of government, mm -hmm. I, I think that and just kind of an industry that that's something that really could be very interesting. And in fact, yeah. I think Matt Reeves in the in the newest Batman uh, that's going to come out, I think, is leaning into the Court of Owls. So that's okay. a medium in which I expect that to be done very well in yeah. terms terms of this I, I no they're not super menacing uh, <laughs> you know we've already we've seen the talent already come through and cut people's heads off and stuff but right uh and i don't feel real i i like the super or i like the court of owls going in yeah. but no i don't feel i i still don't feel super invested or super convinced that they're going to uh, be very menacing. I I, I do think they're going to be the big bad. Uh, maybe it yeah. would be interesting if there were some other characters introduced, but I don't know. What do you think, Mark? Well, I I think they had the potential of being very menacing until they showed up. <laughs> they were just people <laughs> like very the people standing around in my, like the setup for them and the the history yep. of them and the children's rhymes about them and the way they're controlling things like that's yep. actually pretty damn menacing. 
But then they show up and they got these kind of interesting odd masks and they basically just stand around in a circle and don't move. Like they're, there's just nothing. Like, send in okay, the talent. What's going on? You know, yeah, send in the talent. Uh, and I think that there might possibly be another big bad that's going to show up. Maybe we even see them. Uh, I might just save that. Uh, for our make me look stupid segment because we need oh. to wrap this one up. So let's uh, let's take a quick break, pour, freshen our drinks up just a bit, and uh, we'll come back and talk a little bit about the theological and political uh, impact, things that you could carry away from this show and our take on them. And welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We are glad that you're with us today. We have geeked out a little bit about Gotham Knights, and now we're going to talk about the theology and politics of the CW murder mystery teen drama. And uh, Mark, we were just talking about the Court of Owls. Yes. One of the things that interested me as I was watching the show uh, is there was a lot of lore about the Court of Owls, and it was mm-hmm. kind of a conspiracy theory um, about about this whole group that people didn't believe existed. In mm-hmm. this particular case, it turns out that they they did exist, and they really right. were more than a fairy tale. But most conspiracy theories are not that, right? It, what? Uh, okay, wait. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, you shattered my world. Okay, we've got we've got QAnon right mm. now, and we've got. Uh, it sounds QAnon. a lot like Talon. QAnon, Talon. I don't know. I'm just. Uh, <laughs> so there's a, a a lot going on with QAnon right now, with Trump uh, facing indictments, mm. and uh, QAnon right now seems to be doubling down on Trump and okay. uh, and on thoughts that um, you know there are these secret messages coming from the highest level of government. And, and from Trump to them that they have to decipher. And uh, Mark, I, I really need some help with this oh, no. because um, <laughs> I, I, I know that, uh, you know, this is this is a little outside of our wheelhouse, but uh, man, what do you think causes conspiracy theories? And why do people adhere to things that on the outside seem so crazy? Wow. Uh, great, great question. You know, I, I think part of there's so many there's so many elements, I think, that come into this. Some of it is just ignorance and that uh, um, conspiracy theories are easy uh, in quote intelligence. Like it's not real intelligence. But when you're when you, you're just ignorant and I don't I'm not using ignorant in a pejorative term. I'm just saying when you're unaware and don't have the information that you need to actually understand a situation. When someone comes along with an easy, simple solution, it is much easier. I, I mean, I think we've become intellectually lazy as a country, and I don't think that's unintentional. I think that the conservatives have worked really hard to set up a country that all but has to be intellectually lazy because they're not given the tools to understand how to be uh, intellectually astute and sharp. Um, so it is one, it's just very easy to buy into. 
Um, and, and two, there is something about like uh, when you feel like life is overwhelming you all the time, mm -hmm. for there to be some mysterious thing that's going on that causes that to happen, um, it's much easier to believe that that is the case than that the systems are stacked, the systems are designed to keep you in that kind of stuff and understand why that's so, and understand what you have to do to dismantle them and to rebuild them. So, the, so I, I mean, I think it's a combination of, well, of the way that folks have um, become intellectually lazy, not of their own fault, just because that's where the system's been continually um, destroyed so that people would be in that space. But I also think that it's easy and it, and it makes it makes you feel better about what's going on in your own life, because there is this mysterious thing that's so hard to understand and grab a hold of that's causing all of these things to happen to me. That's a real nice, easy way of uh, understanding what's happening without having to drill in and, and investigate the very systems that you're operating out of and that the people that you look up to are telling you are important and should continue. Um, uh, that's my first take on it. I, I'm sure that since you asked the question, you've had a little more time to think about it and probably have a little more of a broad and, and both broad and specific understanding of why it might be the case. What are your thoughts on it? Well, I think, you know, this is something that's interesting that we've had conspiracy theories for a long time, but it's something Absolutely. that we've seen kind of ramped up. And uh, I think in part it's because it's been enabled to some degree or uh, to yeah. a big degree uh, by politicians and people who yeah. are in leadership of the country yeah. uh, or who have uh, massive influence. But I think a lot of it also has to do with ease of communication and the echo chambers that Fair people enough. are in. And so I think, you know, we can we have echo chambers on like mainstream sites, social media sites and whatever. And, you know, we yeah. definitely kind of choose our audience and, and uh, mm -hmm. tend to align with people who think a lot like us. But we've also got now these these other sites that are kind of extremist sites. Uh, right. For instance, like the, the sites that QAnon folks go to to check for these secret messages, which are extreme. Uh, extreme kind of tunnels uh, for the, for the yeah. same information. And I think spending a lot of time in there, research has shown, changes the way that we think. Whenever we, we think that everyone kind of agrees with this, then whenever we hear things that are outside of that perspective, that... Mm -hmm. um, that really it, it is something that people can no longer yeah. hear. And so it's scary kind of to see people, uh, you know, go, go down a, a tunnel like that, especially as it often means excluding other people and being less accepting. Uh, and, and, yeah. uh, which is, I think is something that, that we've seen. Yeah. So speaking media, of, yeah, I just going to say social media is actually designed to put us into echo chambers. Like they're going to show you the things that you're most likely to be interested mm -hmm. in. So uh, the algorithms that the algorithms that they use to, to what they're going to put in your feed are all designed frequently around making sure you hear from the people who are more like-minded. And, and I think that's part of why we're seeing a, an ever increasing divide in our nation. 
Hmm. That's a that's a really great point, Mark. That and the the more you interact with like minded people, the more that you see only content that that aligns with your view already. Right. And so I think, and we've also seen intentional misinformation. So I, I think you know yep. in both uh, 2016, 2020 elections were examples of that, where we saw intentional mm -hmm. misinformation that made it easier for people to believe conspiracies that had act absolutely no basis in absolutely, reality. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think we see that play out in somewhat of an interesting way uh, in the show. Uh, but I think, as I said, one of the things that happens with these conspiracy theories is that it often leads people to be less accepting of others and to have all kinds of uh, ideas about why people might uh, be in the situation in life they're in. And I'm thinking particularly that we've seen this happen a lot around trans folks uh, uh, in, in, recent, uh, in recent months. Mm -hmm. And uh, it made me think about the trans character that we have in Gotham right. Knights, which uh, we're starting to see some more trans identifying characters in mainstream TV. Uh, yeah. Colin Rowe is the character in, in, yeah. this, uh, in this show. And so we have an interesting scene where Colin is being interrogated and Ford, who we find out is a dirty cop, yeah. uh, dead names. Cohen and Harvey Dent calls him out on it saying, don't use his dead name. Uh, so as we're starting to see more trans characters, I was curious how you thought they handled this one. Did they do well uh, in handling the trans character in the show? And uh, a follow up with that. Mm -hmm. uh, if churches are doing a bad job, uh, what uh, what could churches be doing to, to do better? So first Gotham Knights, then churches. I think Gotham Knights, I, I, I like how they're handling the two, two different parts of this. The interrogation scene different. Uh, I like how they're handling it in uh, Gotham Knights. Um, mm -hmm. um, this, this is a character who's just accepted as the person that they are and blends in perfectly well with the group. And, no, you know, it's just you're just another one of us. And we're all trying to figure this out together. I, I like the way they're handling that and not overly calling attention to the character that way. And then none of the other characters are like making a big deal about it. I like that a lot. The interrogation scene felt a little bit, um, I don't know. It, it felt, it felt like too much of a throwaway and, mm -hmm. and, it, and, and in a lot of ways for me, it minimized what, what had just happened. Um, mm -hmm. I, I almost feel like there was more dialogue written for that scene and it got cut out and put on the, mm -hmm. on the floor. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're going to be forward thinking enough to put in a trans character and to uh, have a really healthy relationship between that character and all these other characters, and then you're going to begin that dialogue, but just make it so quick and flip it and aggressive. And then the defense is sort of okay-ish, but it's, it's not much. Um, I, I didn't like that, the way that scene played out but I do like the fact that the character is in the show and how everyone else is interacting with him. I mean, what, what did you think? Uh, I liked that he was, uh, and I'll get part, back to the, the church part. The church, yeah. I, I like that. Uh, I like that he was there and I like that he's seen as uh, just a member of the group. I like, as you said, that, that he's integrated. I felt like, I, I feel like some of the conversation about his identity, uh, is forced because they're trying to make a larger commentary. And I feel right. like it, it doesn't really feel natural to the dialogue that's around it. 
I feel like the the dead the dead naming scene in particular, I think, was trying to make a commentary on how common this is and to try and help people understand it. I don't think it landed particularly well, right. but I Not do appreciate that uh, that we've seen uh, a trans character and we're starting to see more diversity in the LGBTQ plus community represented yeah. in uh, in mainstream media. Yeah. Okay, well, so and, the churches. And to get back to the churches, I mean, I think yeah. one of the key things that churches need to be doing, I mean, besides just obviously uh, extending love and care and, and safe space yeah. to, to, to trans folk, I think one of the things that churches need to work really hard on and develop are renaming ceremonies and to make that a central part of what they do as a community and, and to embrace people in that way. Um, yeah. I, I don't see a lot of work being done in that area. Um, in, in terms of liturgy. And I think that's an essential piece that really shows how much you value a person and that you recognize who they really are and and that, that they are that person in this community and always will be. And that, and that there is a lot of care and concern and acceptance of that. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? The fact that you brought forth uh, renaming ceremony, I think, is really important because those can be incredibly beautiful. We did one a couple of months ago for one of our teens who's grown up and spent their whole lives in the church and is identifying now as gender non-binary. And uh, I think that having a renaming ceremony helps to Mm -hmm. show that person that the church is surrounding them with love, no matter who it is that they are feeling called to be. And that uh, it it helps the church recognize that this person is living in uh, a a different authenticity, uh, a different way. And I I think that that's, uh, that's good. I think other things that churches can do is do simple things like, put pronouns on name tags, uh, mm-hmm. ensure that we're asking people about their pronouns. Um, I remember whenever we added pronouns to our name tags, people felt like that was a ridiculous thing to do. Like, <laughs> Why are you going to do that? And in that process, we found out that longtime members were people that we had been misgendering for mm. years. Uh, and that. so it had an immediate impact, not only because yeah. there were new people who were coming and might identify in a way other than you mm-hmm. might initially think, but also because we were misgendering people. We didn't even have the wow. world to recognize it. And so I think, uh, I think little tiny things that, ex- mm-hmm. that actually put into practice the welcome that we say we uh, exude is yep. really important. So, uh, man, there are actually a lot of interesting things that come from uh, Gotham Knights, and I would love yeah. to delve into them deeper. But, you know, Mark, if we're going to get to our last segment, the Make Me Look <laughs> Stupid segment, we're going to have to wrap this up. So why don't, we, uh, why don't we take another couple sips of our drink as we listen to the drop, <laughs> and let's come back and try and make each other look stupid. <laughs> Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. You joined us for our favorite segment, the Make Me Look Stupid segment. Well, Woo! we try to make our co-hosts look stupid. And sometimes we just ask 
engaging, intriguing questions that really didn't flesh out during the rest of the show that we're curious about. And that is what I'm going to do uh, with my question today, Caleb. Um, so in the last episode, episode four, we begin to get a hint that Harvey Dent, who any fan of Batman knows becomes mm -hmm. Two-Faced, uh, yeah. might be blacking out and doing something different. Mm -hmm. Like he has a key that he doesn't know how he got. There's some other little things going on. Mm -hmm. My question to you is, I, I, and uh, in my normal fashion, I'm going to have a follow-up question. Of course you uh, yeah. Of course so. Is Harvey Dent going to be the classic Two-Face where he has something happen and one side of his face looks one way and one looks the other and he kind of has this multiple personality that goes on in real time? Or is he going to be more of a Jekyll and Hyde kind of character, uh, which is what it right now feels like it could be? What do you, Which way do you think they're going to go with this? I think it's going to be both. Uh, well, yeah. if assuming they have the time to tell the story uh, <laughs> that they think they're going to tell, which I'm right. not quite convinced that they're going to, but yeah. I think the plan will be for him to kind of have this, this series where he's kind of a both. And, and I think since they lean pretty heavy on elements of dark Knight returns, I think we're seeing some elements of the long Halloween here too, where mm. we see Harvey kind of, develop this kind of uh, multiple person, the split personality kind of thing. Right. So I, I think we're going to see that initially. And then I think the plan will be for him to have some kind of an incident where he has a break. Um, whether, whether we actually get to that or not, I don't know. Uh, the, mm. the thing I think is interesting about that, uh, Mark, which is not what you asked, but I'm going to say it anyway, is yeah, that, go ahead. you know, I think that um, whenever they started writing Two-Face character like this. And I think especially mm -hmm. in the 80s and uh, yeah. 90s that when the conversation on mental health was different, this was mm -hmm. actually a pretty engaging way to talk about mental health in yeah. a, a way that wasn't being done a lot. Mm -hmm. I think since that time, this narrative about Harvey having a mental illness that leads to violent tendencies has not it's aged really particularly enough. well no. and is not a great way to talk about mental health. Yeah. So I kind of think that Two-Face's well, story needs a, a little bit of revision well, here, and I would love well, to see well, that, but I, I don't know that I have high hopes for it. Your take on it actually helps lead into maybe okay, uh, a bad side of my follow-up question which is part of why which is part of why i'm asking the follow-up question yeah. so right now would you agree that they're presenting more as a jekyll and hyde yes what are the odds i i kind of feel like for batman mm -hmm. after all of these years to simply be shot in his office it had to be someone he knew mm. what's the chances that it is the the Jekyll side of Harvey Dent, who did the deed. I think you're right on because the, if it had been the Talon, he he wouldn't have been shot, right? Mm. He would have mm. he would have been stabbed. So that's something that's inconsistent from the beginning with yeah. the Court of Owls kind of execution. So mm -hmm. you know that it's probably not the Court of Owls that's doing that, or if it is, it doesn't line up real well with how the rest right. of the executions have happened. So I think that's a real logical assumption that, yeah. that it's actually and, Harvey. But, but, it, but again, it plays right into what you pointed out, is that that's going to be horrible that they do that, because it's basically saying that this person with a, a mental disorder 
uh, that it causes them to kill someone they actually care about, uh, which I think I, I hope I it's starting to feel very much like that is the setup because, you know, in storytelling, that's a great kind of like your your closest friend who's the uncle to your adopted child. Yeah. Um, but what a horrible, I hope they don't go there, but I, I, it does feel like they're about to. And I, that, I think you're be, right. That'd be a massive mistake. It would be, especially right now with the, with the number of mass shootings, mm -hmm. right? Because we continue to see people Absolutely. deflecting to mental illness. Like whenever yeah. we first started understanding mental illness could be a, a cause for mm -hmm. uh, different types of behavior, then in some ways that was kind of a compassionate thing to do to think, oh, let's try and understand uh, what's going on in the person's brain. But now I think that a lot of people are blaming uh, mass shootings completely on mental illness instead of trying to address the issue of guns and so i think that's problematic yeah and it's such a false game that they're playing like right the issue is mental health and then they the very same people that are saying that are defunding mental health treatment over and over again so i don't buy into their argument but it's a really yeah. you're right though it is where they're going right now but they their actions prove that they don't really think that that's what's going on because it's not or they At don't least, care yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah. So anyway, I'm with you. I, I, I hope it doesn't, but I, I think you're probably right as usual on that mark. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Okay. So here's here's a question. Yes, sir. Have. Please. Um, so in the show, as we have already mentioned, we get to see uh, the son of Batman kind of come up with the son uh, or with the children of people in the rogues gallery. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. Does this show say anything substantial about following or not following in the footsteps of our family? Uh, or does it say anything uh, substantive about chosen family? Or, uh, or does it kind of do a typical CW drama thing and say a lot of nothing? Uh, I'm curious, <laughs> Mark. I, I would like some meaning out of what's happened so far. Um... I don't necessarily think it says anything about following the footsteps of our parents uh, because they, they, they're kind of splitting the difference of, of some uh, some of the folks, particularly the folks of the foes, of, the children of the foes of Batman uh, were kind of going down a similar path to their parents. They were kind of doing nefarious things and that. And they just the only reason they're being good guys right now is because they're trying to clear their name and ultimately they're going to be defenders. So I don't know that they do a great job of trying to do that. But what I do think that it, it, they have the potential of doing, whether or not they're going to end up doing, is uh, talking about, you know, we just talked about earlier how this is a divided nation and how there's, mm -hmm. I think generational change is a real storyline here uh, because we do have two folks that would have been two sides in the previous generation who are now coming together under a common cause and joining forces. So I think there's a real potential to talk about generational change and how uh, just in one generation that the the a dynamic can change immensely. And I think we need that kind of hope uh, in the US right now. And, and as I look at young folks, I feel like I'm seeing a lot of that, particularly around issues of, of diversity where folks that might've been divided before kind of feel like the generation before them are just nuts and don't understand things and, and don't quite get it. And we're, we're seeing them come together in a much healthier way. Uh, so that'd be my take. What do you, what, what were your thoughts on? 
Yeah, I love that about the, the generational differences. And I think we're also seeing them really rally around issues of climate change as well. Yeah. And saying, Absolutely. yeah, people are crazy. Uh, crazy I think it's, right? yeah. uh, I, I, like, I like your take on it. I think it's trying to say that, um, that our path is not laid out for us mm. and that we choose it no matter what our circumstances are. Right. And I think think that's kind of true. Um, and I think it's kind of not true. I think there are <laughs> things uh, in our lives, uh, and I think particularly economics and class divide that mm -hmm. can, can put people in certain positions. Right. Uh, and I think they're trying to make a commentary on that. I don't think mm -hmm. it's super successful. Um, <laughs> but I but I think that that's what they're what they're trying to say. And I think generally I, that maybe that's a, a decent message or that we can build yeah. uh we can build community across divides if we get to know each other and bring out the best in people i i, I like that message i yeah. i'm not sure that uh that they're going to get to really flesh that out <laughs> but uh but uh, a worthwhile yeah. message so. very nice i like it well listen uh, we have spent a lot of time on this show, and now we've got to wrap the show up, but we also need to decide what we're going oh, to be yeah. talking about next week. Do you have any thoughts on what would be in a, a good place? There's not a lot coming out right now. Uh, May, really May's going to change up. It's going to be a little different in May, but right now there's not a lot. What, what, what would be a good place for us to go to now? You know, Mark, I was thinking uh, mm. about the last time we were together in person. Oh, that week, great. And I was I was really reminiscing about that. I thought well, we had a lot of fun. You know, we went to a bar yeah. and uh, we had live audience. It was a lot of fun. It was fantastic. So we, we can't An enthusiastic do that, audience. They were it great. It was enthusiastic. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah. we can't we can't be together in person. But uh, I was thinking about the show we talked about, and we talked about The Last of Us. But yeah. it was super early in the show's yeah. run. We said we'd come back to over it. now. We did. Yeah. So what do you think about that? You want to do that Work, next week? Works for me, man. I, I, okay. I'm I still loving the the, the the show, and I like the, this full season. So that'd be a lot of fun to talk about. So let's do that. Uh, okay. So those of you, if you haven't finished watching the season, go ahead and catch up. And uh, we will both kind of look at the rest of the season that we weren't able to talk about and also revisit some of our our thoughts and predictions and ideas that we said in our first show uh, in, in our next Moonshine Jesus show. So until next week, we want to thank all of you uh, who are watching live as well as those who uh, will be listening back on the podcast for uh, tuning in. Uh, we don't do the show without you, so we're so grateful for you. And with that said, cheers to you all, and we'll see you the next time on the Moonshine Jesus show. Moonshine Jesus. Yeah.